Hey guys! It's just a pint. Hey, what's going on, guys? Here at the swamp, get ready to beat LSU. Y'all tune in to Rule Number One podcast on Monday. Yeah! You hear that, yeah? You know what that means. Another week, another episode. Welcome back in to the Rule One podcast, guys. Yeah, man. We, uh, <clears throat> we're we going strong. You know, this is number 25. Nice nice round number for us. Yes. Um, and a quarter, to 50. Yeah, yeah, quarter of the way to 100. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we, uh, on this week, we, uh, we're we going to kind of follow up and finish up our kind of like testimony, testimony mm, series. Geez, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a, uh, we had a guest come on in between, um, but we had a great opportunity to have her on and we wanted to do that. Um, but yeah, we're going to get back into it. Brian's going to give his story um, and we can kind of, you know, judge and see, not judge. We don't want to judge Brian, but yeah, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're going to kind of just get his uh, side of the story. And so y'all can get a better understanding on uh, who opens this thing up with the big, yeah, every episode. Every week. That's so, my voice. Brian, without further ado, I mean, man, we ask this question on every episode. What is your number one rule you live by? You know, it's, it's such an interesting question. And when we came up with it, I didn't realize how hard it would be to answer it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I have, you know, different parts of my life that I live by different rules. But the ultimate rule that I live by is keep myself happy. You'll, be, you'll figure things out. Yeah. No matter what, you know, try to find the best in whatever situation is going on. And, you know, you'll be all right. You're going to figure things out. And I've lived by that for a while now. And it's kind of led me down an interesting, story-filled path. But I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, I think uh, we were talking the other day, and I think we were both having a rough day or something like that. And we were in a group chat, and Brian was like, well, this and this and this happened. And I was like, well, I've tore up two pieces of equipment, and <laughs> it's not even 11 o'clock in the mo- uh, afternoon It was yet. a Friday, too. Yeah. And so it's just like, it was a bunch of bad things going on. I sent him back a video, and I was like, man, I was like, the way I look at it is I'm blessed to have the opportunity to get up and go to work every day. And yeah. so, and not everybody can say that. Um, and, you know, we can always go and complain about our jobs. We can say, oh, you know, I hate my nine to five, or I hate this, and I hate this. You know, I wish I made more money. Take a step back every now and then and be like, you know, I am blessed with the capability to wake up, brush my teeth, go get breakfast and go to work and be able to work for a living and be able to collect a paycheck every single Friday. And that's what I kind of try to tell myself when I'm feeling down about it. But I don't know about you, if you can relate to that. I I relate to it because I, I respect it because I'm like a person who likes to live off of routine. Mm-hmm. Like I like to get my routine going, whatever my day holds, I gotta, you know, try to find some kind of routine. I have the same weekend kind of routine and kind of do the same things. Um, my daily routine is kind of the same throughout the work week. I don't know. I just, that's what I kind of live by is my routine. Yeah. And I mean, it's very easy because that was one thing in college that I was really almost looking forward to because we had a, a routine like playing college baseball and going to school and yeah. everything, but it wasn't. Like, it was just, it was all over the place, I felt like. Like, I would, you know, I'd get in a groove, and I'd, you know, have two hours of class, and then I'd have a three-hour break, and then I'd have, a, you know, three-hour practice, and then I'd have an hour break, and then I'd have an hour lift, and then it was like, then I got to go get dinner, then I got an hour of homework, and it's like, I've hated the off stop and, and go, on. Stop yeah. and go, yeah. And so, like, obviously, in the workplace, it can be very monotonous. You know, you, for me, for instance, I wake up at... You know, I get out of bed at six o'clock and then I go to work at seven and I get back at six thirty and so and then come back in here. So it can be monotonous, but at the same time, you know exactly what you're going to do every day. Well, I think the crazy thing is about it is people don't realize that when you go from being an athlete, student athlete every day and having those breaks in your routine, going from that, exhorting, you know, most of your energy for three hours a day to having to wake up early in the mornings like you're used to, but then having to exhort energy from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and not having those, you know, down times or that time to lose focus. Yeah. And it's hard to adjust because not only does it take toll on your, you know, body because you're not used to your workout routine anymore, you're not outside as much, it takes a toll on your mind too. You start, you know, you start wondering like, why why am I not doing these things? Like, why do I feel like time's shorter than it used to be? Why do I, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's hard to transition into the workplace like that. And, you know, I struggled with it. I think you did too. Yeah. 
but like I said, once I got my routine down, it helped me, you know, get into, you know, my new part of my life. And I really do enjoy what I'm doing now. Yeah, I feel like um, a big thing on uh, like student athletes coming out of college is um, I think I don't know the number, but I saw there was a stat one time and it was like the depression rate of student athletes as soon as they f- get their degree and they finish is like through the roof. Yeah. And I th- actually, I believe it was the suicide rate of like student athletes after they get out of college It's yeah. because, you know, their whole entire life they've had, you know, a goal like, you know, I'm I'm working my butt off, you know, I, I want to win a championship, I want to win this, and I want to do that, and then they get out of college, and all of a sudden, they lose their whole purpose, and, you know, <clears throat> kind of like what John O'Neill was saying a couple uh, episodes back, and he was saying, you know, I have my purpose, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, I have a purpose, and I live for that, and, you know, he said his um, Christian walk is with, you know, Jesus Christ and everything, but I feel like it's a big thing when student athletes get out of, you know, their sport, they start working and it becomes a monotonous thing, kind of like what I was saying. But there's not a, almost a, like a competitive spirit with it. Yeah, and not I mean some job fields there are, like you know, sales and yeah. stuff like that. But generally, the 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 competitiveness is not there. And so you know, whenever athletes, you know, we lift weights or we practice as hard as we possibly can and f- hoping for results. Yeah, you know, in a lot of jobs, it's like okay, show up. I do my job and I go home and there's no, you know, end goal, end results kind of thing. And I feel like that just kills you sometimes. It kills your thought process. But, you know, bring that up, that kind of, you know, explains my background to a T. Get into that. You know, growing up, um, my dad was a coach, coach baseball. So, like, I lived, you know, with a, you know, competitive background. I was was brought up by a coach. Like, um, everything, you know, good dad, he was – he also, you know, fathered like a coach. He taught life <laughs> lessons like a coach. Like, yeah. that's what he was good at. And it worked for me um, personally. And it worked for, you know, works for my siblings as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a good, you know, philosophy for him to live by. And how do you teach us like that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, exactly what you said is, you know, I, I think parents should be almost like a coach. Like, yeah. I see a lot of parents that, like, try to be friends. And whenever you're friends with your kids, like, obviously you want to have a great relationship with your kids, but I feel like the the relationships, whenever they're friends, there's just a lot of disrespect and stuff like that. And I wish a lot of times, like, that I would kind of have, like, that coaching, like, parent which my mom was my mom was a very strict coach yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. but it's uh I feel like that's a good philosophy to have but you know talking about your background and you brought that up you know we kind of want to know your life story um so you know from you know I said from I can't start my story without starting where my dad passed away um let's tell your story tell you what you you know feel comfortable with saying and kind of just go through the whole realm you know from point a all the way through high school and college and, and kind of how you got here. here well it's a long one so buckle down <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so my my story starts from a very young age um i mean a lot of people know this about me and not a lot of people know this about me but i am adopted um i was adopted i was born in arcadia uh desoto florida desoto county florida um about i guess 45 minutes away from my hometown now um south but I was put into kind of the foster system right out of the hospital. You know, mm-hmm. my parents, they they chose to, you know, have me, which I'm very fortunate for that. Uh, and, um, and, you know, they did the re- mature and responsible thing and, you know, decided that we probably can't take care of this kid. Mm-hmm. We want to give it a better opportunity. And I was blessed to, you know, be given that opportunity. Um, I went from foster home to foster home. Uh, ended up in one in Mulberry, Florida. And then somehow, it's kind of crazy, I ended up in Fort Meade, small town, one red light, in South Polk County. Um, and my foster home is actually two minutes. I can see it from my front door I grew up in with my oh, really? my adoptive family, my family. Mm-mm. It's kind of weird that how things come full circle. Yeah, for real. Um, but I was adopted at three years old. I moved into the foster home at Fort Meade when I was like around two. And my parents, um, mis- un- unfortunately, my mom had a couple, you know, miscarriages and just couldn't get, you know, right. couldn't get uh, everything rolling with that. And she had the opportunity to look into adoption, and it just so happened that I moved in right down the street from them. <laughs> and uh, they came over, and you know, 
kind of love at first sight, that kind of deal. Like that's our kid, <laughs> like kind of yeah. click. And I was adopted. It kind of got finalized when I was three. I have a tattoo on my arm with my maiden name. So I'll never forget the day that I was adopted, mm-hmm. May 13th, 2002. So I'll never forget. Yeah. Um, um, I was adopted actually right after my first brother or my brother was born. Oh, okay. So he was actually the first like kid in the family. He's the oldest child, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I was adopted into the family a couple months later. But after that, you know, I just kind of grew up in a great, you know, southern small town household. You know, I try to tell people that Fort Meade is your country music video like town. <laughs> like yeah. it literally is. And it's like your Friday night lights kind of deal growing up. Yeah, That's, when he says uh, you know, one red light town, it's literally. there's literally. Yeah, there's one red light. And two <laughs> two traffic, like two caution lights. Yeah. And like one hour out of the week there are there's two red lights. It's yeah. like when they were dismissing kids or something like that. But um really small town. Um I grew up with a, you know, really small family. Um, learned, you know, kind of the Southern hospitality, all that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. As a kid, learned respect. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Um, so that kind of gives you some background, like how I was raised. And I started growing up, growing up, and I got into sports when I was probably five or six. Started playing t-ball then. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where, you know, I, me and my dad kind of bonded a lot growing up. And that's where a lot of my life lessons were taught when I was a kid, was on the baseball field. Of course. Um, and doing that, I just, you know, grew really close with my dad. It's kind of weird how close we, we look with me being adopted, too. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, also, uh, you and your dad's relationship is very funny because, like, if you if y'all ever see a picture of Brian, <clears throat> actually, we might have posted one on our Instagram page. Um, yeah, maybe. But there was uh, there's a picture of Brian and his dad standing right next to each other. I mean, they're like spitting images <laughs> of each other, and it makes no sense. The, but it's the like, old joke is I always he gets mad when I say it, but I always tell him like, "You wouldn't had me somewhere else. Yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't <even> got me. <laughs> yeah, he put you up for adoption and then got your mom <laughs> to come get me. you." Yeah. <laughs> um, Speaking of which, my mom also had a really, really huge impact in my life. She was kind of, you know, the the one that kept me in line. You know, I'm a wild kid. I was a wild kid. I'm, I'm still a wild person now. I'm a, I'm a really big personality. I'm really outgoing. I like to, you know, have fun. And, uh, you know, sometimes I don't do the most responsible things, but uh, I like to have fun. <laughs> and I've always been like that. But my mom, um, she was more of the kind of disciplinary you know my dad Mm -hmm. was the the muscle when he needed to be my mom was the you know you need to do this if you want to you know have a good future you need to do this you need to do this right um she kept me in check helped me a lot in the classroom too because i was never i never i even in college i was never kind of a person that applied myself in the classroom it just kind of came easily to me and i kind of took that for advantage Mm -hmm. um you know, I would never study for tests. I'd walk out there, walk out with a C plus, B minus, and be like, all right, sweet. I passed. Yeah. <laughs> and if I would just put in a little effort, probably pull a B or, you know, I just never was that kid. And my mom helped me, you know, find that kind of motivation in high school when I was younger because I really wanted to go play college baseball. That was my, you know, end all be all as a 15 to 18 year old. And, you know, that kind of, you know, when you're that young, you don't really think about, you know, what kind of career field do I want to go to? What what do I want to do outside of this, you know, outside of this game? It's just your life is so consumed with the game, the game, the game, the game. It's how am I going to keep playing? Yeah, and a lot of people don't think about it at all. You know, when you're in high school, they don't, like you said, they don't think about your career. They mm-hmm. just kind of expect and hope that baseball is in it, whether, yeah. they, whether they're a coach or, you know, they're still playing at the next level or, or, you know, something along those lines. They still want to be involved in the game. And so many kids, I feel like, once they get to college – they realize they're interested in so many other things too. And which I think this is, will kind of roll into your yeah, story as yeah. well. <laughs> so it's going back to that age. I was so consumed with the game, the game, the game. And you know, I, I didn't really go out much. I didn't really have the high school experience that, you know, you might may have had, or some of our friends have had or speak about. Yeah. I was, I was kind of the kid that, you know, I, you know, I joke about, I mean, I'm, This is a joke, but this is a true, sincere story. I was the only senior in my class on the first period that was there on senior skip day. (laughs) 
I'm not kidding at all. You're chuckling, but like that is a, like I, I, that's just who I was. Yeah. I just didn't. I didn't go out and party. Didn't have fun. I was focused on getting good enough grades to go play ball, getting stronger, and playing baseball. So, kind of got into the recruiting part, trying to find a college for me, and it wasn't going good. Like I was a junior, and you know, didn't quite develop. You know. Um, into my, you know, stronger body. It didn't start had my baby fat for a while. Like you like, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh just didn't have any schools interested in a kid that was five ten, hundred and ninety five pounds as a catcher. There's mm-hmm. three million of those out there. There are so, a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> so I really had to, you know, kinda step back and realize, all right, I want to keep playing. What kind of school is good enough for me? You know, I don't mind going away from Fort Meade, I kind of would like to get out of here and see some things. Mm-hmm. So the opportunity came along my actual senior year of high school. is was actually um, a month after the season ended. My high school season ended, senior oh, really? year. Yeah. Um, I was looking at a lot of JUCOs to go play at because through my adoption, what kind of, you know, the word kind of spreads throughout coaches is I was adopted and I get kind of free state or I get free, you know, tuition through state schools, mm-hmm. right? Like in-state tuition. Yeah. Uh, paid for by the government, by the state. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these coaches would find that out and they would never never offer me. They would never give me like any baseball money or anything, you know. Yeah. And as a kid, as a 17-year-old kid, 18-year-old kid, you're looking at that and you're thinking, you're like, man, they don't want me. Yeah. They don't want me. They, they're just trying to find a bullpen catcher and not have to pay for anything. Yeah, you know? really though. And that's that's kind of the mindset that I took. You know, I didn't think of my future. I didn't think of, you know, I, you know, I got really good setup here. I probably should use it. Didn't think about it like that. I was, like yeah. I said, consumed with the game. And a small school. I think I would have been the same way, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you, a school comes to you and you're like, oh, we're not going to give you any money because you'll get it like this. It You you wouldn't believe how many times I heard, we'd like, you, we'd like to give you a preferred walk-on spot. Like, yeah. At a state school, like a JUCO or something here. I'd mm-hmm. like to give you a preferred walk-on spot. Nah, screw that, no, man. Sorry, if you don't want me enough. Yeah, but, like yeah. I want to be the guy. I want to be your guy, man. I want to be the guy that comes in and catches the Friday and Saturday. You know, like I, I, I had that dog in me. Or at least they need to make it known and yes. be like, hey, you know, we can save money and build a team around you because you have this setup, you know, you are adopted and then you can use this amount of money and it'll cover your school. And we want to build a team around you and to bring everybody together, we can put more money to somebody else and your school still be paid for. And if that was, if they wanted you like that, that's the way they should have went about it. And I never had a coach that was so transparent. None of them would say that. And, you know, I think I, you know, I would have been okay with that. The coach told me that, but all right, that makes sense. All right, let's where do we move forward. But no, ever, nobody ever did. Mm-hmm. But I had this small school come forward out of, um, I guess it's its own little community. It's got an Ave Maria address. Mm-hmm. But it's the best way I can describe it is Naples, Southwest Florida. Yeah. And it's about 20 minutes outside of Naples, like you're driving in towards the state. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out a way to explain it too. It's, it's, it's just in the middle of nowhere, but it's such a nice place. Oh, it's beautiful. It's just like it's. I don't want to use that word. Um, it's like no, you can. It's a cult. It, it looks like a cult. It's like a little cult community. It's crazy. Yeah, it's not like a cult. Cult no, like it, people like negative connotation, but it's like yeah. it's literally there's nothing around it, and then all of a sudden, boom, boom! There's like this whole city, and it's so perfect. Yeah, and the college is in the middle of it, and you got your restaurants and everything. It's almost like a really big shopping mall in the middle of nowhere. Yes, and it's like it's like a little tiny utopia. It's how, like everything's St. Augustine grass. Everything's manicured. Mm-hmm. All the sidewalks are always clean. You know, it's gated community houses yes, on the it's stuff. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I'm coming out of little old Fort Meade as a 18 year old kid. Well, Ave Maria is like 40 minutes from the beach. I love going to the beach. I love going fishing. I love, you know, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, like all that stuff. And I see this beautiful campus. I see all these beautiful, I see this big, beautiful library where I'm in my head. Like, I'm going to spend a lot of hours in there. <laughs> nah. Yeah. You're in college, uh, bud. Exactly. But um, I'm like, yeah, this is the place. This is my spot. This is mm-hmm. this is what I work for. So I committed, signed, um, went through the whole summer and worked out. 
So I signed for this coach, and literally three weeks later, the coaching staff leaves completely. I didn't know that. Guy takes the job. He, he takes his job up at a D three up in New York. He was like, "It's the school he played at." So I don't blame the coach for him. Oh no, he got his. You know, yeah, he got his. He's got his. He got his gig, and so I didn't know what was going to happen. I was sitting there in limbo, like, man, is my scholarship going to be withheld? Like, I got this pretty little email from the school saying that my scholarship's going to be, you know, upheld, <laughs> upheld yeah. with the new coach. But like, is this new coach going to even? You know, is this guy going to consider me a fit for his program? Right. So, a lot of questions going in. We get this new coach, comes in, whatever. Good guy, not the greatest coach. I don't want to really talk about that. Um, but, start school. Um, I start off kind of good, believe it or not. You know, I'm there to play baseball. Kind of the same, same kid, you know, mm-hmm. same kid. And, you know, I started making friends. And started you know, making networks and connections and meeting people. And I liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked the attention. I liked the fun. I liked the going out. And th- those two years that I spent there at Ave Maria, it's the quickest slash two blurriest years of my life. But I'm so thankful because, you know, I had experiences down there. I had, you know, I had love that didn't work out, that taught me how to bounce back from it. I had, you know, I failed a drug test down there. I talked about that in the episode with Coach Sykes. Um, big turning point, big figure it out, big responsibility moment in my life. Um, and, you know, I found myself, kind of. I kind of found out who I was by going away from everything I'm accustomed to. And that was so beneficial because, you know, I got this big, bold personality. I got this... I got this want to meet people. I got this want to see things. And I took that from Ave. So, like I said, I mentioned I failed a drug test. So that was kind of my last straw in Ave. You know, I, I was there. I wasn't kind of the smartest kid. I did enough just to get by in the classroom, but I was there to have fun, kind of. You know, I, was, I went away from home for the first time and just didn't know how to handle it. So I had strikes two, three. This drug test was strike, seemed like nine. And it was just time for me to find a new home. You know, time for me to, you know, plant new roots and try to figure this out. So after I failed my drug test, I came back home to little old Fort Me and and my dad was pissed. I'm not going to lie. He, like, couldn't even look at me. Thought I kind of ruined my career. Kind of, you know, mom was very upset. Didn't think I was going to make anything kind of myself at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got punished, dude. I got punished. I got uh, volunteered kind of. I mean, as you should. Yeah. It's parents being parents. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't blame them for it. If yeah. that was my kid, hell yeah, I'm doing the same thing they did to me. Yeah. So I got punished. Um, I kind of got, you know, volunteered slash put into work. I got paid for the work. So um, yeah. this I've had job, that happen to me too. Yeah. So <laughs> I got this job um, for this summer at, I believe it's a place called Ray Bob Groves out here in Alturas near where we record. And Ray Bob. Yeah, that's what it was called. And... <laughs> He had, you know, he already had a hand there that kind of used all the big heavy machinery, and they were having a problem with leaking lines. It was the hot summer Florida, and all the poly pipe, that plastic pipe that you see underneath orange trees, it was all busted and all leaking, and they needed a guy to fix it. So you know what that entails. Guess who's the guy? <laughs> yeah. So I was the guy, and I got paid, I think, like nine ninety an hour. Um, and I had to work from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., sun up to sundown, Monday through Friday. And sometimes it was, I had to come in on Saturdays too, no exceptions. But that whole summer I was on my hands and knees cutting plastic piping, fixing spraying water, irrigation, underneath dusty orange trees all summer. So we kind of figured it out in my life like, yo, it's time to change. It's time to figure it the hell out. So... In my head, I'm not done playing baseball. It kind of goes back to, you know, you're going to find a way to keep playing. Mm-hmm. So I started reaching out to schools all over the state. I kind of wanted to stay in state so I could kind of keep my head on my shoulders and kind of stay close to my family. And I wanted them to watch me play. You know, it kind of sucked going away for two years. You know, they got to go to, like, nine of my games. So I was so, I mean, I have a really good game. I had my first college hit, and they weren't there. So, yeah. like, 
it's, it was stuff like that I didn't want him to miss. So I really wanted to watch him my junior or my senior year. So I had the tough decision to deciding where to go to school because all the schools in Florida are the same conference as right, as Ave. So the rule is if you transfer within in the, the conference. NAI. Yeah, in the NAI. If you transfer within the conference, you have to sit out a year. So, you know, me knowing me, I wasn't good enough to go play at a D2, right? Didn't have the numbers to go play at a D2. And I was already I already burned all my JUCO years. So it was either go find a four year out of state to go play right away or find a four year here and sit. So I kind of bit the bullet and I found Warner. Reached out to Coach Sykes over the summer. He offered me. He, you know, I played against him. He saw what I could do. He's like, I'd really like you to come here. So I transferred him. Thank God they let me in. I had a 1.9 when I came here. Mm. Like, not a lot of people know that, but I had a 1.9 getting in. And I worked my, you know, my ass off in the classroom. I kind of got lazy at the end, kind of regret it. But I don't. <laughs> I got that piece of paper sitting right Yeah, over I got mine too. <laughs> but when I got to Warner, it just changed. Thing, It just kind of, everything just kind of changed. You know, I got on the baseball team there, and I fit in with the team. You know, when I was at Ave, it was a lot of guys from the Miami area or a lot of guys from, you know, out-of-state bigger schools. You know, wasn't nobody from Polk County. There wasn't no good old boys, to be us. <laughs> and I got to Warner, I'm like, damn, there's like 13 other dudes here that talk just like me. This is going to be fun again. <laughs> so a little side note on that. Um, <laughs> when uh, when I came to Warner, um, same idea popped into my head. And uh, actually, one of uh, Brian and I, old roommates, Garrett, he uh, he followed me on Instagram and he was like, yeah, he was like, so I was looking at people. Um, he, this was hit, coming into his <laughs> yeah. freshman year. He was like, he was like, I was looking for people like, for instance, good old boys, like Brian was talking about. Cause Warner's full of them. You know, we've probably got 15, 16 yeah. of them. And, uh, and he was, I was looking for him and I saw you and I saw a picture of a hog and I knew we were going to be good friends ever since <laughs> I seen that. <laughs> Ended up living with the guy for two yeah. years. too. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of got, I was like, man, okay, cool. So I really grew tight with you, the guys. I met you. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, we were kind of close my first year. Uh, we didn't I don't know our, our paths didn't really cross yet. We knew of yeah. each other. We talked to each other at practice. I mean, we were on the same team, but, yeah. like, I mean, we didn't, we didn't have much. any classes or anything. Well, I was, back then I was commuting each day, too. Yeah. Like, my parents didn't want to pay for me to That was somewhere. a big thing. Yeah. Like, if you're if you're a commuter, you don't, like, yeah, you're friends with everybody, but you don't, like... Have the moment. If you're on campus or, you know, live five minutes from it, you spend a lot of time with each other outside of and I And I knew that from being at Ave. Like, I knew yeah. how... Yeah, obviously. Yeah, like, yeah. I knew how, how good of a bond you have with your teammates when you actually live on campus or by, nearby campus. Yeah. Just so, sitting around and be like, hey, let's go play basketball or come play Fortnite or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, I kind of liked Warner. I loved Warner. And I, you know, I, I didn't know what I wanted to study because when I was at Ave, I, was, I had this whole idea I was going to be a strength coach and coach baseball, so consume the game. Over it. You know, the coach down there kind of made me think, like, hey, man, baseball ain't it. And like, you know, baseball ain't it. You know, it's not everything. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I had to kind of struggle to find, you know, something to fill that, you know, other than baseball, what am I going to do? So I came to Warner and I was like, screw it. We live in Polk County and there ain't nothing but orange trees and cows around here. So I'm gonna get an ag degree. Hated it. I forgot you were an ag major. Hated it. Just terrible. You know, I worked in Fort Meade. Yeah, I worked in the groves. I've done all that. I've done the agriculture stuff. Not it's for definitely me. for a select. Yeah, not for me. Few. Not for me. Being that I got that degree. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I was kind of lost, and I'm walking down campus one day at Warner, and dude, this dude just walked. This guy walks by me. He's got ear. His ears are pierced. His shirts unbuttoned. He's a shorter, older man. He's look like he's got rocker, you know, t-shirt on underneath his button-down shirt. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And he walks into his office, and right in front of me, I look at the door and it says communications. I'm like, hmm. well, I wonder what that is. So I go home. I look up on my phone that night, like, what is communications? Mm -hmm. And I read it. And I'm like, damn, I like all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. So the next day, I go back to Warner, and I walk in this guy's office, and ch my life changed forever. Mm -hmm. Forever. So, hey, sir, nice to meet you. My name's Brian Spradlin. He looks at me, and he goes, don't call me sir, bro. <laughs> Just like that. Don't call me sir. I'll tell my story about Craig in a second. <laughs> yeah, don't call me sir. And I'm like, he said, like, my name is Dr. Craig. What can I do? 
I'm like, well, Mr. Craig, he said, Dr. Craig, Joker. <laughs> I was like, oh, Dr. Craig. And he was like, he's like, I'm just joking. So, but it stuck with me. I called him Dr. Craig the rest of the time. Yeah. I still call him it. And uh, I got to talking and I was like, he's like, what do you brings you in here? He was like, he was like, kind of read about communications. I, I like it. He's like, what do you like about it? What do you want to do? I said, you know, I really want to be on the radio one day. Like, I really want to do some radio stuff. And he's like, really? I was like, yeah. And we kind of bonded over that. Mm-hmm. Because Warner had a radio station and nobody knew about it. Mm-hmm. Like, they had a, a radio, like a Warner radio. Nobody knew about it. So for a whole semester, after I met Craig and after I got in the communications program, started learning, I kind of got into, you know, this stuff. Like, this stuff. Yeah. And I loved it. I was consumed by it. So my junior year of college, I started what I called Sprad Sports Talk on Warner Radio. Every Tuesday and Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., I was on the Warner Radio. I think maybe four people listened. Like, yeah, I was always wondering. You were always talking about that, and I didn't even know how to listen. I didn't know if that was like – can you go into that, explain the Warner Radio a little yeah. bit more? So it was like literally this room – that's not even half as big as our studio, right? That's right. And Craig, Craig, Dr. Craig always had a thing for like vinyl records. You know, we have a record player right here behind the camera that we, you know, we hang out and listen to a lot of music with. And Dr. That's Craig record. loves records. So he always wanted to get Warner into things like College Radio Day. Mm-hmm. And he, like, he, he liked that kind of stuff. He liked the radio. And he liked vinyl fun. So I walk into this cool little tiny ass room. And there's this switchboard, and there's this computer, and I look on there, and there's just thousands of songs downloaded mm. on this computer. Mm. And it's playing live. I'm like, Dr. Craig, what's going on with this? This is, this is like two days after I committed into the communications program. And I'm like, what is going on here? And he's like, this is the radio room. I was like, dude, this is awesome. I was like, I want to spend every yeah, second. Yeah, I never here. saw it. Oh, I mean, I'll have to take you by. Yeah. Um, we'll, have, we'll have to do an episode in there. Yeah, you, you have to get, dude. So you walk in and there's like, all on this table over here, there's just records everywhere. Sign me up. Everywhere. And then on the back wall, everywhere. Just bins and bins and bins of records. Because Warner Radio does this thing called Vinyl Thon where every, all day, 24 hours, a bunch of like big time college radio stations like at like Harvard, Florida, like you, like all over the country participate in this thing called Vinyl Thon. All they do all day long is broadcast vinyl records from their radio station. And each radio, each hour in the 24 hours, a different like st- stations picked up by the TuneIn app, which is which, which what everything's run through. Yeah. And um, like so, you participate in that. You never know when Warner's like records going to be played. Huh. So you just play records all day, all day, all day. Anyways, I'm sorry I got in that rabbit hole. I walk into this room and I fall in love and I become a communications major and I'm just so hungry to learn about everything. And then literally two weeks later, I meet, uh, I get the opportunity, not two weeks later, two months later, I'm kind of fast forward because you know, we just practiced and stuff during that. You know, I did my little radio show. I didn't live on campus yet. Two months later, I get the opportunity to move into a house with Garrett and you. Also a moment that changed my life forever. Literally. Like, you could you could say it too. And so I move in right at the beginning of the second semester of my junior year. And instantly, it's just kind of, we kind of clicked, me and you. Um, I don't know, it was just kind of weird. We were opposites, but we attract. We maybe said like... 30 words to each other the first two weeks we lived there, but once we actually started talking, we're like, damn, he's a good guy. <laughs> I like talking to him. It's just, it's funny how me and Brian's relationship works because it's like, like we joke around all the time, but we know our personality so well. It's like people will look on the outside and be like, well, that was kind of mean, but we're both like <laughs> laughing at each other. Yeah. Like, shut up, Brian. And then we both just start yeah, laughing. laughing. And people don't get it. Like people don't get our relationship, but I don't care. Yeah. We're, we're us. It's just, it's it a very different personality or uh, uh, relationship. And it's very, it you works. just have to understand. It yeah. <laughs> So, start living there, man. I can't tell you how we have so many stories at that place that you know I think about a lot, like the parties and the fun times, the bad times, the ugly times, 
but mostly good. So we move out, and I didn't know really what I wanted to do. I had this job opportunity with NASCAR, right, in Daytona. It was uh, to go be a ticket sales account, you know, what, uh, person. What Riley was doing, actually. Yeah. On uh, the NASCAR sales associate. I think it's like uh, episode six or seven. I think it's eight. But. Eight, yeah. Um, it was literally his position at the time. And I, you know, applied for the job. I got through the whole interview process, and they offered me the job. They said, hey, Brian, we'd like you to be an employee here at NASCAR. And, you know, I was like, sweet. I'm in. Like, just offer it. Didn't even give time. to Just, I'm in. Didn't think about anything else. Well, about that time, I kind of had a crossroad in my life where I met somebody really special to me. And, you know, I just had a calling that, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't, wasn't meant to be, you know, to go over there right, right then and there. Just wasn't, it didn't, something just didn't feel right about it. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of sad for a while after that. You know, looking for jobs, things just didn't work out. You know, it was kind of past the hiring period, that that little short hiring period after college graduates, you know, that businesses have. Mm-hmm. It was kind of past that. So it was just kind of in a lull. I couldn't really find anything. And, you know, my buddy Brian Danforth approached me, and he owned, you know, a apparel business, and, like, he makes apparel for people, and a beach apparel business. Like, he has a brand. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, he told me to come work for him and help him with social media marketing and advertising and do it for him. You know, I'm tired. He kind of said, I'm tired of the headache with this stuff. I'm done with it. Come work for me. You can do whatever you want. You can build as much experience. It's all in you. It is your stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, it's not a bad idea that, you know, I can build some experience with things I like. I like to do social media. I wouldn't kind of sold on it like I am now. <laughs> um, I was like, you know, I'd be cool. It'd be good for me. I'll do it. So I took a job um, with him and Twisted Tides Apparel, which uh, is in my bio. Check it out if you'll ever go on Instagram. Um, got some cool shirts and hats. Um, and I started getting into, you know, videography and making, you know, quick little shorts for the apparel brand and marketing and stuff like that. You know, I kind of had a knack for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of, I kind of like the days that led me to it started. My job started leading me to, you know, days out in the boat fishing, you know, getting videos of people in shirts. Yeah. You, I mean, you love the salt water. So yeah. I mean, you can market something with something that you love doing. Yeah. And it started leading me to, you know, you know, cool days and you know cool ideas. And, you know, I got to start making graphics and started learning more how to do clear videos. And, you know, I taught myself a lot mm-hmm. through this job. I mean, I still work there, and I enjoy it. Um, and, you know, I love social media. This is what the jobs help me find. I love videoing stuff. I love getting cool shots. I love doing all kinds of stuff. So, were you about to comment? No, you're oh, good. Oh, no. So, I got into that, and, you know, I love it. Right now, I get to go to do, you know, boat shows. Like last, you came down. It's yeah. on our TikTok. Uh, last weekend, we went to Isla Mirada, or two weekends ago. Yeah. And um, did a show down there. So for work, I got to go down to Isla Mirada, the Florida Keys, mm-hmm. and, you know, sell stuff and talk to, meet all kinds of different people that I can't wait to bring <laughs> on the show. Like, I want to say a little side note on yeah. that. Um, so we go, well, Brian. <clears throat> so I asked Brian, and this was for his birthday. The week of the boat show, or weekend of the boat show, was Saturday was for his birthday. And so earlier in the week, I asked Brian, I said, Brian, what are you doing this weekend? And uh, and he was like, well, I don't know yet. Like, I'm trying to figure it out. I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm trying to figure out my plans. You know, I got the opportunity to go to this place, or I got an opportunity yeah. to go over here. I was like, but I'm not going to cancel out. It's on your birthday, so let me know what you're doing so I can figure out my plans. And if you're going to be, you know, sitting on your butt, then I guess I'll go sit on... Uh, not on your butt, but like, <laughs> I guess I'll go sit on my butt with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he was like, actually, I think I got to go work. And I was like, well, that's lame. And he was like, and I was like, where are you, well, like, where you got to go this weekend? He goes, Isla Mirada. And I said, hmm. <laughs> I was it's like, not so lame, is it? So wait a minute. <laughs> and so Chelsea, uh, my roommate, um, I was like, hey, you you want to go to Isla Mirada this weekend? And she's like, well, that's kind of short night. I was like, let's just look at some rooms. And uh, and she was like, she's like, okay. So we book a room. And uh, <clears throat> and I text Brian. I said, yeah, we got a room. We're headed down. He's like, heck yeah. yeah. He was like, <sighs> he, he was super excited. And so uh, we drive down after work Friday. 
and uh, wake up Saturday. And keep in mind, Brian's got to work. Yeah. But yeah. I don't work for this company. Yeah. <laughs> you're, there have, you're there to have a little mini vacay. Yeah. And so uh, Chelsea and I woke up, you know, toured around the town a little bit, show up to the, the show that he was working at about 2 o'clock. And I was like, hey, bud, happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Wait, got, hey, guys. It's hot. Do we? Do we? Well, no, we're not going to tell that story. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we ended up going uh, to dinner for his birthday and everything. And, uh, and I mean, I had an absolute blast. Like, yes. I think that was one of, you know, that the MGK concert was probably the two most fun times probably you We've and I had, have had together. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, it was, I think, honestly, the whole weekend we go down there for Brian's birthday – but I think the amount of time that Brian and I actually spent together because he was working the other part was... Four hours? Yeah. Max. Like, I, I saw him for an hour at the show and then probably three, four dinner or three, four hours at dinner in the bar. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's good friends if you can't tell. I have some but it was, a, like, it was a great time, though. We, yeah, like, yeah. we made so many, like, I... It I, wasn't I, like I was going to go sit at the boat yeah, show all yeah, day no, either, and I wouldn't though. expect you to either. <laughs> but, you know, I'm so thankful for, you know, feeling the... Being the, able to get opportunities through Twisted Tides, you know, it's helped me find my passion with my, you know, video, you know, editing and videography, yeah. you know, I started going out in boats and I started, you know, I'm going to try this angle. Oh, that was really cool. You know, I'm going to try this. Oh, shit. That was even cooler. And then it started turning into, all right, well, I'm going to hang off the boat here. Um, hand me a rope. I'm going to get the shot. Yeah. <laughs> Start turning into stuff like that. Exactly. And I just, I don't know. I just got into it and I have so many more plans that I'm looking forward to getting into, you know. I want to get into underwater videoing and scuba diving and GoPro My and stuff's stuff like coming that. soon. Yeah. <laughs> just me, and, I understand. And, um, and just, I know you can agree with me on that. And just a little side note, um, like about videography and like capturing stuff. And because I know you and I are both, you're a little bit more, experience with it in terms of the podcast Brian does all our stuff um but I know you and I both have a huge interest in kind of like videography yeah. once you kind of get a little like a taste it is hard, hard to get off of it like yeah. I mean and it's it is drug and it's bad because videography stuff is expensive and so you can get like you can get a you can 90- rack up three grand quick oh Quick, very, very easily, quick. like very easily. If you well, want to have something semi decent to work with, well, yeah. I mean, let alone you, you pull up a laptop, you know, middle middle line laptop. You got five five hundred bucks, yeah. And so middle of line, you know, I'm I'm an Apple guy. I know you're an Apple guy, so you know you want your Macs and you want whatever. Yeah. So you know that's <laughs> that's thirteen fourteen hundred dollars. Then then you get a camera and you're like, well, you know, I like this one, but this one's a lot cooler. Mm-hmm. So there's another eight hundred dollars, and it's just like it's an it's an addiction bag. It is, it is. But like the addiction leads to so many cool things. Oh right? yeah, the amount of like stuff that so, you can come up with is like, and that's you know, we have a little script here, and you know, it says what's my job entail and that's my job entails creativity yeah. and you know it's a good job that I have right now because it gives me the free time to have creativity with this but also gives me free time and experience with social media to go out and have creativity out in a boat or yeah. you know when I do get to travel have the fortunate which I actually have got to a lot recently um, I have more creativity because of my job that I, I get cooler angles, cooler shots now. So. Definitely. Along along the same lines as you're saying, like you're out in the boat and you get to be creative and stuff like that. You know, I've, I've told people a lot. I, it, it almost stunk, you know, growing up because I was always in the outdoors and I thought it was amazing. I thought it was beautiful. And I was just like, I wish everybody in the world could see this moment right now. And I pull out my phone and I take a picture and it looks like crap. Crap, man. And I was crazy. like, dang it. I was like, I don't understand. Why does it so, look so good and my damn phone won't pick it up? And so, and then I started getting, getting into, into it. it. And it's like, wait a minute. It's I a can hole. do that. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you could, like, for instance, with TikTok and stuff like that, and you can start making things look like you're seeing them. And so it's like almost to the point where it's like, ah, I finally have captured this moment that I saw that I can share with the world. Yeah. You get what I mean? Yeah. And I think, you know, I think we touched on it not too long ago. When you start getting into the videography stuff, you know, I think I remember saying that, you know, people are scared or, you know, it's kind of hard to get into because it's hard to learn. Oh, there's so much stuff yeah. to learn. But once once you start learning and you start seeing your results and you start seeing what you can start doing, yeah. it becomes... Addicting, like you know, where I started the videos that I started making, I'm like, oh, 
I understand. Like, and then some of the stuff that I put out now, I'm like, all right, I'm pretty proud of that. You know, I still have a lot of work to do and I still have a lot of improving to do. And, you know, there's always so much time today. <laughs> um, Trust me, I say it all the time. <laughs> but, um, like, I branching off that, you know, my future plan is I kind of want st- I want to get into, you know, bigger jobs with that field. You right. know, you know, whether it be me trying to, you know, self-independently contract videos one day for brands, like trying to be a scuba diver video camera off of Tampa Bay. Like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know what my future plans are. Have you ever thought about, like, a, uh, a social media marketing firm? Because I know there's I've a, seen. I've, I've looked into it. There's a lot. Um, actually, I had a professor. I don't know if you've ever had him. Um, he was at Warner for, I think, about a year or two years. And it was uh, Professor Neptune. Remember him? I, like, I've it was heard back, of him. That man... Like, that was my spark for marketing. Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, kind of like how you can, not necessarily videography, but the way that you can phrase something and put it out into the world and make people Attract interested people. in him. Yeah. Dude, the guy was awesome. Like, I, I still have his college email because he- We should get him on. He, yes. We, great idea. It's because I don't know that he'll ever remember me. I wasn't in class very much, <laughs> but I, like- I, this probably doesn't go along with my point of saying it was awesome. <laughs> so, but, but like every time I was there, I was like, wait a minute, I need to come back more. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I feel about, you know, Craig. You know, I think it's really cool how Warner has given us people that we'll never forget and affected us weirdly and oh, no. the longer. And it's really cool. But, you know, I'm really passionate about that stuff. And that kind of brings my, you know, brings me to here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, Started working at Twisted Tides, got it into the videography, got into the marketing, and you know the story after that. Me and Nate kind of got bored with the limited amount of free time that we had for some reason. (laughs) And we both, you know, we decided to start the podcast. And, you know, I'm a firm believer and everything happens for a reason. You know, that was kind of my, one of my other rules to live by. You know that I mentioned earlier? You know, everything happens for a reason. And whether you may not know it right then and there, and you might doubt why it happened, happens. And it's going to, the result, it may teach you something, it may benefit you, it may hurt you. But it's, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be something that you grow from. Oh, no, definitely. And that's just kind of where I am right now. I'm still growing, still learning, still finding my passions, believe it or not. Who knows what I might dig my fingers into next week or find that I might like out, you know, and my future plans, just keep video and shit. <laughs> just yeah. keep, and keep talking into microphones. And you know what I, I, I really like um about this whole podcast as from like a selfish like yeah version. Um, you know, obviously I would love to make money. I would love, you know, I I love entertaining y'all. Yeah. But like for my, you know, personal reasons, I think it's very cool. One to record stuff, to to put a voice to it, because you know we're not promised tomorrow. For instance, no. like if you know I if I die six months from now, and we've got over a year's worth of my voice on thing, and I could leave a legacy people behind, people are gonna know who you are exactly. And so people can go back and be like, "Man, I really miss that guy," and he can pull up my videos. Now imagine if we did this for forty years. Oh my! What gosh. kind of impact somebody that could have on somebody's or life? People or the. The paths that we crossed, you know, on my way here today, I was listening to a Joe Rogan episode. I was actually going to send you a screenshot of it. He was talking, uh, what is the guy, Russell Brand, he, he, get him to Greek. You know who I'm talking about, long, black hair. Uh, I think he's from, I don't want to get it wrong because I might get fried for it, but he's from like the UK area. Uh, I'm trying to think of another movie. Uh, Along Came Polly, maybe he was, no, I don't think he was in that. Anyways. So, anyways, they were talking about, Joe was talking about reflecting on the podcast and how everything from his podcast is natural growth, right? Mm-hmm. Follow me here. That's kind of weird how I'm going to connect these dots. Um, he talks about how he never told anybody, hey, watch my podcast. You know, everything was kind of word to mouth. He's like, I just kind of did this. I just kind of did it. And, like, I've had, he was talking, he was explaining, he's like, I've had really smart people on, from people with PhDs who have stared at stars to people who have been in submarines. And he's like, I even, to having my friends on who are comedians being tripped out on shrooms. Like, he said that. Like, And he was like, I don't know. I just, I kind of like that about his show, right? And he was talking about how he has learned so much and he's crossed so many paths. And that's just kind of what I want to do here too, you know? 
I don't want to do it to the same extent of having you know ever the famous guests, the famous people. You know, yeah. we're doing the right thing with the right people we're having on now. Oh, definitely. Getting, I mean, we would me also wrong. love. Yeah, don't get yeah. me wrong. We'd like, love. <laughs> we want to have <laughs> the marquee guests and marquee names. Yeah. I think everybody does. But what we're doing now is is kind of cool because we're getting people's stories out there who didn't think to themselves my story isn't the, may not be worth telling but it is yeah. it is there's so many people out there um you know Hannah shouted us out uh last episode and I really wanted to thank her on this episode for saying what she did like how you guys are doing a cool thing you know you know, you know what I'm saying yeah. and I just hearing stuff like that is what keeps me going with this and I know you talked about uh what keeps you going on the last episode so my 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 goal in this thing is to make as many connections in as many different fields as possible and to learn about anything and everything and just take in every story that anybody's willing to tell me in that black chair over there. Definitely. And that's what I want to do with this. That's been my goal from the start is just to talk to people and get their story. Man, I feel like I've uh, I know a whole new Brian because I know like I knew all of Brian's life story and everything like that. But like, there's hearing Brian saying it from like, you know, from point A to point Z. It's all right. (laughs) Dang, I thought we were about to have the second time. You know, just but getting getting Brian's whole story and being able to you know sit back and kind of listen to it. I mean. I didn't have to ask very many questions. You just kind of hit it on the nail. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you know, you. D- I'm so glad that you went first last week because it kind of gave me an outline to go with yeah. and how to do it. Because I let you sit back. I let you tell your story too, you know? Yeah. And I expected the same thing tonight. So, like, I was sitting here preparing all day because I knew we were recording this tonight. And I was freaking myself out. I'm like, how am I going to make my freaking life sound cool? <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I don't give a shit if it's cool or not to people. My life is my life, and I have some damn good stories. I have some damn good friends, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Well, speaking of which, you know, (laughs) we ask these snap questions every single week to kind of get to know you as a person, even though this whole episode we got to know you as a person. But I want to put you in some weird, crazy situations, Brian. okay. You are a big conspiracy theorist. I like to wear a tinfoil hat every now and then. And I'm not saying that <laughs> you necessarily believe all of them. No. But I want to know what your favorite conspiracy theory is. Okay. So, you know, we asked, we talked about it earlier in an episode. And I talked about, like, the, finan- the Federal Reserve and the money. Well, that's my boring one because you have to really read about that. But my overall, you know, favorite one, dude, I mean, aliens. Aliens. Are you talking about the aliens built the pyramid style? Or no, just I'm talking about like there? they're here, like like are, living upon us. Not 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 necessarily living upon us. You know, I think I don't know. I just would like to know what's out there. You know, yeah. if there is a civilization out there, what could they do to help us here? Actually, I seen, um, and I don't know if you saw that. You actually, you might have been the one that sent it to me. That there was another um, inhabitable planet in another yeah, galaxy. Yeah. There's like, well, dude, the, the NASA's found like, I think it's some crazy amount of planets now that are in the so-called green zone, uh-huh. which is what Earth is in, which what's the habitable zone. That what planets are in this range that can form water or whatever, you know, yeah. to have life. <laughs> They're everywhere. Planets like that are everywhere. Hmm. So what's What's to say that, you know, a civilization just like ours didn't start three million years before us out there somewhere in there, out there searching for their, you know, companions? Or, <laughs> like, yeah. What, or what if they started three or however long after us? Yeah. And there's only a hundred living people on there. Their planet. Well, and yeah. They need help. Like, you know, it's crazy to think what all could be out there. And, you know, I've... I'm on TikTok a lot, and I like conspiracies, so my, my algorithm feeds me conspiracies. And I, I don't, I kind of taken a new approach to social media, working with it as I can do a post and ghost. And the only time I really get on TikTok is like when I'm really, really just tired and I just want to fall asleep. <laughs> and I watch a couple of videos and I'll fall asleep, but it's a lot of stuff with aliens. Man, all that UFO stuff, the government's like confirmed it. They're here. They just don't know if it's like, People, different countries are building these things, or yeah. like if they're coming from a different solar system. It's it's crazy crazy to think because like, man, 
I'm a firm believer in the Bible. People are going to be like, well, how do you, how do you justify that? Well, in the Bible, God created the heavens and the earth. When you look up, that's the heavens, dude. Yeah. Who knows what's out there and what God's put out there for us to find and to learn from and to, you know, use. It's just, I think everybody is so caught up on, well, that's bull crap because, you know, we're the only ones here. No way. I just, I don't think there's no way. There's a lot of things that the Bible doesn't necessarily say, but it's like, I feel like a lot of times, like, with the Bible, I feel like God doesn't say it because he, it's not nece- necessary for you to know. Yes. And yes. so, like, he doesn't go along, go Gotha or whatever, planet out there that there's another, you know, human force that's living out there. Not saying that there is or there isn't, but <laughs> there's, you know, I feel like there's a lot of times where in the Bible that God is very vague yeah. about things. And, and it's not necessarily because, like, to kind of keep it vague, but it's to, it's kind of like there's a bigger point here. Look at the bigger point, not the, you know, it's kind don't of worry a about need the other to stuff. It's kind of no basis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I get what you're saying. I but think it's cool. I think that's my favorite conspiracy because you just think about it, though, like how much they could, like if a civilization could travel through space oh. and have that technology and bring it here, imagine how much shit would change and how much oh, yeah. better be off zooming. oh my how much better off this planet would be we could like it would be we could save it <laughs> like we yeah. literally save the planet but that's my favorite conspiracy because it branches off into so many different things so tell me what your dream vehicle is ah uh, okay so like i'm not a big you know i would like to have a sp- fancy sports car but i think i'd like it for like 3 days you know so I think my you know, my my dream vehicle is honestly I'm a sucker for like a 2013 like F150 like that just older <laughs> body but listen to me if I could find that 2013 with like 2000 miles on it just one that's just brand new out there that's just mine I'd drive the wheels off that thing. I could see you like you just picture me as like if you've like, if you ever had the point where you, like, made really good money and you were to buy a vehicle, I could just see you, like, in a Land Rover or a G-Wagon. No, like no, no, no. I, You just picture me as, like... I'd have a Jeep. I could see that. But I would... I think... Like I if, thought you were into cars a whole lot more. That's why I asked well, this question. I like NASCAR. Like, I am into, like, you know, turning wrenches right. and I like learning how cars go fast. But, like, I'm not into owning fast cars because I know... Dude, I can barely drive the truck I have now and I drive a Ranger because I drive... So I'm, I'm, for some reason, on highways, I drive slow as hell. I'm in no hurry. Yeah, Reagan roads, and I... I'm, I haul ass. <laughs> I was in the back seat, and Reagan, Brian's girlfriend, was in the front seat the other day. And he's talking to us, and we both looked down and be like, man, hurry up. <laughs> we looked down, he's going 38 and a 60. <laughs> like, he's just, like, cruising, talking. It wasn't like he was distracted. He was just having a conversation, yeah. driving. And these cars are... <laughs> And I'm like, what? The, what is going on? Thirty-eight miles an hour in a sixty-mile-an-hour. I was like, we were both like, hurry up, like, like, let's go. But you know what? You know what? Like, I don't know. That's that's just. I, that's how I, I used to be a bad out of hell when I started driving, though. But like, I drive like a grandpa too. Don't yeah, me. that's. I just enjoy going, sh- listen to my music. But that's my dream vehicle, though, because if I could have like that truck, I just like that old. It's not older looking because it's kind of modern yeah. looking truck. But it's still got that kind of like square, kind of solid yeah. edges to it, where it's a good looking truck. Yeah, and then and if I, I could like that. put some rims and some good tires on it, it's an older looking truck, but I'd make it a cool looking truck. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. And the only You're a reason, waffle house guy. The only reason I say that is because um, growing up, my parents didn't never get to drop me off at school, so I used to always have to go to my grandma's house in the mornings. Because my parents had to be at the, like we didn't start till eight and they had to be at there at seven, yeah. so I'd walk over to my grandma's house and every morning I get there, I'd have some Eggo waffles with some peanut butter and some Eggo syrups waffles. waiting on me, son. Eggo waffles slapped. Dude. Yes, they were so good. Yes. Just a little butter on there. Ooh, did you ever get the uh, the ones with cinnamon in them? I tried them out a couple times, but I never got to buy them. My grandma oh, always, yeah, my, grandma hey, when grandma finds out you like something, you know you're going to get the same thing over yeah. and over and over. So we would we would get blueberry ones. There's blueberry ones. There was cinnamon ones. There was, you know, your yeah, typical yeah, regular. Yeah. There's a couple different flavors. Oh, 
Don't get me started on the toaster strudels. Those were so damn good. <laughs> See, what you you got in uh, variety, I made up for because you, you see how I always said Monday through Thursday, I got Echoes, right? Yeah, what'd you get Friday, Brian? Every Friday. My grandma, that lovely lady, I'm a grandma's boy if you can't tell, she would send my papa or her, she would go, and she would get us McDonald's. Every Fire me Friday up. before. Little bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddle. <laughs> chicken biscuit. Uh, either it was a chicken biscuit, sausage biscuit, or a sausage McGriddle. Heck yeah. And uh, just a minute. Like, uh, so waffles and sausage McGriddles. I love it. <laughs> sausage <laughs> Exactly. All right, buddy. Um, so I think this is our last question for you. Yes, it is. What be is, quiet. <laughs> what is your dream place to live? If you go anywhere in the world, where are you plopping down, buddy? Okay, you know. And if you say Fort Meade, Florida, no, I'm going to kick you off no, of this couch. You know, yeah, exactly. My parents would laugh if I said that. My Everybody knows I don't want to live in my hometown. No no knock against it. It's just I don't, I don't, I'm good. That's all everything it has to offer. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, I don't know, man. I, you know, I could say I could sell out and be like, yeah, I'd like to live on the beach and go fishing every day. Yeah. But, you know, I've gotten into hunting recently a lot. Like, I like it a lot. And... You know, I don't want to just sell out and move somewhere where I can't hunt and I can't fish. But, like, if I could, like, let's say it's a dream, right? The Carolinas got both of them. I was thinking that, but hear me out. It's a dream, right? My dream. Yeah. So, I'm moving to Hawaii on the smallest island there. I forgot you were telling us about this. I hunt axis deer and catch lifeless amounts of tuna. And I'm bringing all of my family with me and all the important people around me with me. And we're all going to live on the island and we're just going to hunt axis deer and catch fish. And we're just going to all live. <laughs> That's my dream place. To I live. come home from work one day and I'm like <laughs> dog tired and I'm like half awake. And Brian walks up to me. He's like, you want to go axis deer hunting in Hawaii? And I'm like, I, t- I just like I'm this zombie of a face turns and look at Brian and be like, what did you just well, say to me? And, I, and it nothing against the idea. I just, one, didn't realize there were access. I'm a big hunter myself. I, I didn't know there were deer in Hawaii. And two, I was like, how am I going to get there? Like, well, they, they, apparently, they, the settlers brought them there like a long time ago. Yeah. And they just got on the smallest island and populated it like crazy. Kind of like the Keys deer down yeah, in. Uh, but like the population's out of control. It's oh. like 10 to 1 deer to people. I didn't know that. So it's open season year-round. It's like cheap permits to go, and you get to keep whatever you harvest. Like if you go harvest one per day, it's coming back with you, bud. Like, oh, yeah. You're eating that every exactly. single day. And like that's such – it was such a cheap like permit cost. The hardest part's getting out there. I was like, we'll, oh, yeah. fig- we'll figure out a way to get out there. We'll find a way to get out there. Is there an airport? Yeah, yeah. That's how people get in and off the island. Well, on that island. Yeah, like it's a small airport. Like you fly into the big like tourism airport, like obviously, and yeah. you would get on a smaller plane and fly into the smaller okay. airport. I, that's why I was wondering if there was like a big airplane or a uh, airport. But no, I, de- I mean, I'd definitely be interested in Hell trying to figure yeah. it out. Think about that story we could tell our grandkids one day. Yeah. I had to plan that one out, too. Maybe we'll have to save up some of this Rule 1 money and be able to uh, go out there and shoot some content, do a couple podcast videos, maybe get a hula girl on here. And do some, like, cool dives, too. Yeah, that'd be fun. Right? But, man, I I appreciate, you know, you opening up and telling your story. You know, I've... I've learned a lot from it, and, uh, you know, I appreciate hearing your interest, and I think... uh, it kind of gives us a little better insight who who you are as a person, and I know that was kind of our goal whenever we wanted to do these these uh, two single episodes. Yeah, John inspired um, us. Yeah, and just be, to be able to get your story out there, one, it feels good for yourself to be like, you know, I kind of opened up, let it out. You know, I don't know how personally. No, how I you feel, feel good. Yeah, I felt good to get it off my chest. To be honest. Yeah, and just kind of like tell 
you know, the world about yourself. You know, Brian and I say we're open books. You know, you can read our covers, whatever, everything, whatever, inside yeah. and out. We, I mean, that this you is how we are. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> so if uh, you walk up to us and recognize us or whatever, walk up to us and be like, hey, you're the guys from the podcast. We're exactly then as we are now on the mic. So, mm. I mean, it's like, hey, how are you doing? the same person whenever you meet us. <laughs> but uh, if, you, you know, obviously y'all know Brian's social media. Y'all can uh, look him up in the comments or uh, in the uh, description box. And, you know, our Instagram, everything like that. That's rule one podcast. We are on YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram, any social media you can think of, we're on it. Um, so y'all make sure you like and subscribe on uh, Spotify and YouTube. Yeah. Um, it helps us out big time, the algorithms. And, you know, guys, if you're out there and you have a cool story to tell and you're in a cool job position or, you know, you had some big life events happen and you want to talk about it, reach out, man. DM us, email us. All of our connects are out there. Every description box has our social media, um, all of our social media, all of our emails, our personal emails, too, in it, too. Um, yeah, I'm telling you, it's very easy yeah. to get in contact with us. Contact Just us. reach out. We're on our funny. stuff every single day. So. Yeah. Well, that was fun. That yeah, was man. fun. I appreciate you, Brian, and we'll see, see you all next week. Bye, guys.